Welcome to On Demand. We have a special message for you today called Understanding the God We Love. It's a brand new series. And my goal is very simple. I want you to understand God. I can't explain all of him to you, but I can give you a good glimpse into what he says about him in scripture. It really is a helpful study. Works you through some big words like theology. What does that all mean? Systematic theology, real simple. I'm gonna break it down for you today. Teach you some great lessons that will help you understand the God you serve. You know what's gonna happen if you get it right? You will feel better about God. You'll feel better about yourself and you'll treat other people better. So stay there, enjoy the sermon. I'll be back to pray with you at the end. Stay right there. We have a fun series. I mean, I like this a lot because this series is at the core of what I think changes your life. I have long said that if your theology is wrong, your study of God, that's the word theology means, your view of God is wrong, if you don't understand him, you're going to get a lot of things wrong. It's true in a lot of areas of our life. When it comes down to how we deal with people, if we get people wrong, we'll treat them wrong and we'll have bad relationships. If you get school wrong, guess what? You get studying wrong and the whole thing goes to pots. It's all about getting it right. Marriage, ourselves, money, name the area. And the same thing is true about God. If you understand, the Bible said, above all that getting, get an understanding. Understanding frees you, it liberates you. For example, if you just stop your life and say, okay, it's not going in the right direction. We're not having the right results. What can we do? Right now in this season, a lot of us are struggling, trying to figure out how to understand stuff. But you, you've got to stop. Just stop for a minute. Just pull over and say, okay, let me stop. Let me think about this. I, I want to start this series today, and I want to take you on a journey to help you understand God. Now, part of me wanted to get really theological, right? I want to talk about omnipresence, God's omnipotence, God's omnipresence, God's omniscience, all those big words, but I'm not. Uh, let me just tell you, he's all powerful. He's, he's always present. He's all knowing, okay? That's what those three words mean. Yeah, that's fine. That's good stuff. There's a, there's a whole route that we can take, uh, but I just wanted to keep it simple. And I wanted you to just, just for a few minutes, just, just hang with me. And let me show you four things I'm going to talk about in this series. One, I'm going to talk about how God thinks. I just want to show you the way he processes. I'll come back to that in just a second. Then secondly, I want to talk about how to rightly divide what he says. Sometimes people read the Bible, they, they come up with these views, and they, they really are sincere. <laughs> but that's more you than God if you're not careful. There's a right way to divide what he says, a right way to interpret what he says, and there's a wrong way. Thirdly, I'm going to talk about um, fathers. Uh, this kind of steps in the Father's Day season. And, you know, so I'm going to take a turn and understanding what I call why God made fathers and the relationship between fathers and how they, they mirror God's presence in the world are supposed to in a unique way and why God made fathers. But that's going to be on Father's Day, so hang for that one. And then fourthly, we're going to talk about wrong assumptions, common assumptions that people get wrong. People get things wrong. They get things wrong about me. They get things wrong about, wrong about you. And they get things wrong about God. So I want to talk about that. I want to talk about how people get things wrong. And I want to show you simply how to get it right. Now, I want to start with a disclaimer. Okay, I want to give you a book, first of all, that I want you to consider getting. It's one by Tony Evans, Dr. Tony Evans. Good guy, too. Really cool guy. Knowing God by Tony Evans is the book I want to recommend to you to kind of read along with me this month, to kind of give you something to read give you a chance to kind of jump into this in a deeper way if you like, but that's the book I'm going to recommend we read, okay? Then I want you to also 
hear this disclaimer. In the book, Dr. Evans makes a statement that I think helps puts this in perspective. And uh, I, I just want you, this whole study, and I want you to just listen to what he says. It's really pretty cool. He said, no study of God can be said to be comprehensive for three reasons. The first has to do with the sheer limitation of the human mind. A finite mind cannot fully grasp an infinite being. Second is the moral problem. The presence of sin, even our converted in our converted state, has limited our capacity for understanding spiritual truth. Thirdly, we have a resource problem. God has simply not told us everything about himself. What he has told us, we can know, but he has not revealed everything to us. So, having said that, you don't know everything about God, and neither do I. But he has given us some stuff. And that's why I want you to read the book, Understanding God. Yeah, it's, it's a good book. It's a great little simple read that help you, you know, in your own study and, and plow through more stuff. But I want to get a verse to you. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15 is kind of like the theme verse for the month. And this is the, the, the verse that will kind of be the foundation for our study. But I want you to listen to what it says. And I'm going to go back and read a book in a verse in Isaiah. 2 Timothy 2, 15 says, do, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved a worker who does not need to be ashamed and one who correctly, and the King James, it says, divides the word of truth, but it means handles the word of truth. So basically saying, be careful how you handle what you say God says. One of the challenges in all of this desire to be prophetic and spiritual is we'll start making up stuff. And, and I'll show you uh, how easy it is to start preaching your preference and your culture and your class more than what he said. And if you're not careful, that will happen. But let me start by going back a little bit. I want to back to train a little bit. Isaiah chapter 55, verse 8 through 9 is what a, a verse I want you to just kind of think about. And, and I'm going to dive into that verse more later on, but another time. But it basically says that God does not think like you. That's why you have to rightly, let him rightly divide it for you. You, you, you. Your thought process can easily go left when it should go right. And that's why it's really important to start off with a humble spirit and say, I'm not going to be able to master God. I'm not going to have one study and I know God. I got it all mapped out. And there's some people like that. They go to church. They dance around the church a little bit. They, you know, flip a little bit. Or they get a collar or they become a preacher and they think, I know God and I have it all figured out. God's never going to do anything I don't understand. Well, that's not true. As a matter of fact, one of the things that's really important is to understand how God reveals himself. There, there, there are people at different levels in terms of understanding God because people have different exposures. I love what uh, some of my, one of my favorite theologians uh, from my Bible college and Bible training days was two guys named Duffield and Van Cleve. And a, a work that they did, they defined theology in a way that's really powerful. First of all, let's be clear. The word theology, the study of God, theos is, is, is God, and then logos is discourse or, or reason. So it's really, theology is a study of God. Combined theology uh, means to have a discourse about God. So when you, when you combine the two words, theology, it's, it's, a, it's a discourse, it's a conversation about God. It's a study of God, basically. Uh, there are two favorite instructions I said that really helped me see this in three simple statements. You ready? Write these down. Keep these down. Ready? Natural theology. Natural theology is the study of God as revealed in the universe and nature. 
it, it's, it's God. You look up and you see the sky, you see the earth, you see all this stuff, and you say that's, that's a revelation about God, and that's one, one way you measure him. Romans chapter 1, verse 18, and I wasn't going to read this to you, but let me just do this. Let me just turn to Romans chapter 1, because I, I, think, I think this would be helpful to you. Romans chapter 1, verse 18, says something that brings clarity to this conversation. And it helps you. So what I'm going to do is turn you to Romans, Romans chapter 1, verse 18, and I'm going to show you something that I think you want to hear. This is important because it, it, brings, to, it brings to light the simplicity of relating to God in a way that helps you see him in nature. Watch this. The wrath of God is revealed, being revealed from heaven against all the ungodliness and weakness of men who suppress the truth. Um, uh, by their wickedness, since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, the invisible, God's invisible qualities, watch this now, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. Now watch this now. From the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen. You can see God without a Bible, without a scripture, without anything at all. There has been this, he says in verse 18, there is this anger that God has towards rebellious men because he said, the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth while they're being wicked. Verse 19, since what may be known about God is plain to them. He argues that, it's really no need to be wicked because if you look around the sky, look up, you can see I'm, I'm really here. There's, there's no argument. There's no basis for you to, to say there's not a God. Now, you may not want to serve him. You may not want to whatever, but you can look around and say, boy, this is a pretty fantastic place. This is, and his argument, in Paul's argument in Romans was, it's really quite sad that people would abandon God and then pretend that what's around them isn't real. If you ever fly in a plane, you ever, you ever get in a plane and look down and you go, man, that is amazing. This is, this is amazing. You know, and again, you may not serve God, you may not, but there's somebody bigger than you. This didn't just kind of happen. There, if it did happen, somebody made it happen. I mean, there's a whole lot to this. Science is just a godly study. When you study it, you go, man, who put this together? How did this all happen? By chance now, this is amazing. So what he says in verse, verse 18, and verse 19, since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature, there it is, have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people really, really have no excuse. Pretty powerful text, pretty plain text and that speaks to natural theology. You don't need a Bible. Breathe. There you go. Natural theology. When you study, study of God as revealed in the universe and nature can give you, I mean, I'm telling you, man, I've, I've traveled around the world and some things I've seen have made me go, man. I mean, just flying in a plane, like I said earlier, oh God, you go, okay. So you don't have to be Baptist, Methodist, Catholic, Presbyterian, religious, or anything to just be wowed by the nature around you. Nature can wow you and make you lift your hand and say, 
All right, whoever did this is pretty amazing. So there's natural theology. That's one, one way of defining God, and that's what Duffield and Van Cleef talk about. Secondly, they talk about something called biblical theology. Now, that's the study of God is revealed in the scriptures. So we just knit. We open the Bible, Romans chapter 1, and we walk through the scripture. That's one way that God has revealed himself. So whether you have a Bible or not, you can look around you, and you can be judged by that. As a matter of fact, this is a side note. Did you know they say that 2 billion people with a B have not ever been to church and don't know anything about Jesus or the, or the gospel? They have not heard the gospel at all. 2 billion people. God's judgment of people, and this is really covered in Romans chapter 2, uh, is not only based on biblical theology. There is a standard of natural theology that God judges people by. It's like, come on, you have no excuse. There's a sky, there's a moon, come on, you're breathing, you're walking. There's, there, is a, there is a way that God says, I've revealed myself to you without a preacher. I know you love the verse in Romans, you know, how can they hear without a preacher? That's kind of a bonus gift. God, God, God touched people. I was touched. I, I was not one to Christ with someone preaching to me. Now, that may be strange to you, but that's true. Natural theology was probably more how I came to God because nobody ever witnessed to me. Nobody, asked, nobody ever told me to give my life to Jesus, come to Christ, get saved, none of that. I prayed the sinner's prayer prior to hearing the Bible preached. You kidding. And I went to church. What do you mean? I just didn't understand what they were saying. Let me be clear. I didn't understand what they were saying. And I was a kid who used to go because my mama used to make me every now and then, like every Ooh, three, four times a year, five times maybe a year. And I'd sit in Sunday school, and I, and I saw like a tolerate. I, could, I went to church one time. I remember the preacher preached. I know what he was talking about. But I remember as a kid not having a love for church at all, but, but having a respect and a love for God. And, and I remember that God used that to, to, to pull me in. And there's a whole testament I've given several times about how I was walking out, walking around. And, and I remember where I was on Exposition Boulevard in Los Angeles walking. And, and I remember this thought came to me about God and I began to pray. And I didn't know what like one or two gospel songs, Amazing Grace. And I just sang that over and over again. And I, I told my friends, I feel like God is talking to me. I feel like God is dealing with me. And they said, what's wrong with you, Ricky? You, you losing? And I said, no, man, I, I feel like God. And that, that was God. I was looking around. I was looking at all I had. All I had was the sky. All I had was what I saw. That's all I had. And see, God can reach people. He reached me sitting on Western Avenue. He reached me. I said the sinner's prayer sitting on Western Avenue in Los Angeles, California at 14 years old. That's when I first made my confession to Christ. And I didn't even know what I'd said. And I was sitting there and I made this confession to Christ. I was sitting, I was, I was with some friends. I walked away from those friends. I felt this presence, of, really the presence of the Holy Spirit came on me and I walked away and I went and I sat on this stoop and I, I just prayed. I said, Lord, forgive me. I feel like a sinner. That's what I said. I remember when I said, and I, and I looked behind me and I was sitting on a church step. I didn't even know where I was. And, and I was sitting on that church step. I remember this, the, the Spirit of God, I didn't know what it was. I said, go inside. I went inside. I went inside and the three ladies were standing there in white outfits, man. And, and the Holy Spirit had them there that day. He had them there just to say, I want, as a guy, a teenager is going to come by here. It's going to be Pastor Rick in the future. And I, I want you guys to be at that prayer meeting. See, sometimes you go to prayer meeting. It's just three of you. Don't worry about that. Where two or three are gathered together in my name. There am I in the midst. You never know who God's going to send your way. Well, he sent me in that church that day. 
And I walked in that building and I sat there and tears came running down my eyes, man. And I remember I was there and, they, and I, I just, I got to get out of here. I feel like I'm losing my mind. And I went in, I walked out the back door of that church and they said, can we pray for you? And I said, no. And I went outside and the Holy Spirit convicted me. He said, go back in there. I didn't know what it was at the time. Go back in and let those ladies pray for you. And they laid their hands on me. A teenage boy, 14 years old, with some Converse tennis shoes and uh, who used to carry a boombox down the street playing Michael Jackson. That boy, that young boy was me. That boy used to dribble his basketball on Sunday to the gym. That boy, that was me. That was me. And God, God touched me in a way that I never could have imagined. No sermon, no preaching. And they laid their hands on me. I remember two things she said when I walked in the door. She said, she looked and she said, don't play with God. I remember that. I remember that. That's all I remember. Then second thing she said, they laid their hands on me when they prayed. And they said, Lord, save him for your glory. I didn't know what that meant, but I sure felt something. And that was when my life changed. I left that church. My friends came out looking for me, said, where you, where you been? I said, don't worry about it. And I never told them. I never told them till today. Never. It was in that moment that something changed. Natural theology is real. Churches and preachers think you're the only one that can win people. Let me tell you, God can work without you. If you, if you don't do right, God will raise up. He said that rocks will crowd for me. He will raise up somebody else. And he did in my life. And I thank him for that. So I believe in the power of natural theology. The Holy Spirit can reach into a soul and touch them. Then later on, he gave me biblical theology. Biblical theology came second. We think it has to come first. That's why we think we have to do it the way we do it. That's why we think we have to structure everything the way we've always structured it. But I believe the Holy Spirit can come in. So there are three words I want to talk about real quick. Well, okay, I mentioned two. One is natural theology, Van Cleef and, and uh, Duffield talk about. Then biblical theology. And then thirdly, there's something called systematic theology. Now, systematic theology is when you, you, you study God and you put all the pieces together. It's putting the God together in nature philosophy and reasoning so you, and scripture. You say, okay, all the things I have, all the, all the thoughts in my head, and you put together this, organize, when you organize, the short answer is when you organize your study of God, it's called systematic theology. And studying God systematically, looking what he says about faith, what he says about himself, what he says about love, what he says about sin, what he says about salvation. See, the Bible is recorded not all in one place. So you don't have all the verses on sin in one place and all the verses on, on, on salvation in one place and all the verses on God's attributes in one place. It's, it's spread throughout the scripture. And so when you systemize that, when you pull it all together, it's called systematic theology. And there's, there's this whole study of systematic theology that helps you. Now, I want to say this, for, and this is where I'm headed with all this. To understand God, you have to sit down and think about it and you have to put it in, in order. It's kind of like, for example, when you get married, right? Uh, <laughs> you develop a theology about your mate. You do. Uh, you develop a, a view. Let's call it that. It's a better way of saying it. You better, you better develop a view. And you systematically start putting that view together. You, your siblings, you've done it already. I know my brother, and I know he's not going to clean up, and I know he's not going you know, to pay that bill, and I know he's not going to call the doctor. You have a systematic view of him that you've put together over the years. Systematic theology is the collection of your view of God the question is, is it sound? Is your view of God fair? Is your view of God right? Because if you're not careful, what can happen is your theology can be wrong. And your theology can be an accumulation of your personal views. And I want to talk about that in a minute. There's, there's, a, there's a great impact when the theology of a person is wrong. When they get the theology wrong, 
a lot of things go wrong. And so I want to sit down and look for a moment at what is your view of God when it comes to how God thinks. There are four or five things here I want you to think about because this is important. The impact of your personal theology is profound. However you define God, if you define God, and we do this all the time, if we we define God incorrectly, it impacts everybody that interacts with us and everything that we do. So from the very beginning of my life, I believe God has shown me I can get you there but I need you to think with me. Because if you don't think with me, everything's going to go wrong. So let me give you four things to think about. You ready? Number one, your theology will impact how you see God. Your, your theology, your, your, your understanding of God will impact how you see him. So if you think God wants you to go to church every day, then you go to church every day. If you think God wants you to dance when you worship, then that's what you're going to do. If you think God doesn't want you to dance, you won't dance. If you think your view of God, your theology, okay, will impact your, how you relate to him. Number two, your theology will impact how you define godly living. Uh, some of you think godly living is not smoking. Some of you think godly living is not uh, having sex before marriage. Um, you know, we have a lot of different views about how, what godly living looks like. What you see in a lot of people is there is this confusion. There is no systematic theology. There is no conviction, no final conclusion about how God thinks. So godly living to some people is not as, um, as complete as some people would say. For example, I deal with a lot of people who go to church all the time and they live like, that I, the way they live, I, based on what I read in the Bible, would say, eh, that's not really what the Bible defines as godly living. They, they have migrated to see God through a lens that I think is inconsistent. And what I want you to do for a minute is I want you to look at your life with me and I want you to compare it to what God really said in scripture about his life. And if, if you say, well, yeah, okay, I, I think it's okay to uh, drug, get drunk, uh, cheat on my wife and all the things I do or my husband or whatever. And you want to line that up and say, okay, where did I get that theology? Where, where, where did that viewpoint come from? Now, I am, I am not here to pick on the issues in your life. That's not what I'm here for. I'm simply here to raise a question. Do you really understand the God you say you love? Does he agree with your choices? Because the impact of having the wrong view is it affects how you relate to God, how you see God. It affects how you define godly living. It affects how you, watch this now, treat other people. So if you think this is okay, slap your wife around or whatever, because you think that's okay, because the God you love doesn't, doesn't think it's a problem. You know, you can over, over chastise your children in the name of a verse, you know, in the Bible. You just pick a verse, you know, spread a rod, spoil the child. You can overdo it, but you, you can't see the balance in that. So how you treat others is impacted by your theology, your view of God. I'm telling you, it's really important. If you get the theology wrong, the way you view everything, money, uh, life, health, all of that, you're so busy in church, but your, your health is going to pots. And you're going, come on. It's tied to your view of God. The, you, you really believe God thinks that way. And that's the problem. And I'm going to tell you, this is really important in this environment because right now you've seen a lot of church people do amazing things in this season. And you go, where did you get that from? It's their understanding of God. It's their theology. Someone convinced them that God thinks like this. You ever seen people, they're weird they're really like really weird, but they're church people. And you go, where did they get that from? I'll tell you where they got that from, bad theology. 
And the impact is it's, it's affected how they see God, how they define godly living, how they treat others, and watch this now, how, what they expect from themselves. <clears throat> Man. <laughs> I've seen preachers about kill themselves in the name of working for God. I mean, absolutely about kill themselves. In the name of, <clears throat> I'm doing what God wants me to do. And they're not. This is not what God wants you to do. But you think it is. So <clears throat> what you do is you go, <clears throat> well, this is, <clears throat> well <clears throat> I know Pastor Rick, I, I'm not supposed to, but um, I got to work, man. I got to work. And they just kill themselves. Their theology is wrong. <clears throat> Let me take you to Genesis chapter 1. Give you a little glimpse of how God thinks. So I, I think this is important, and I, and I want to I wanna say, uh, let, me just, let me just switch around a little bit. From the very beginning of creation, God's been striving to get man to think a certain way. So if you want to know how he thinks, you want to get your theology right, go back to Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, and let me show you just a, a few things they give you a little insight. <clears throat> Here's how it goes. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female. He created them. So God did it. And here's what he said in verse 28. Be fruitful, <clears throat> increase in number, fill the earth, and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and every living creature that moves on the ground. So what was God thinking when he first made us? Since he created us, here's what he wanted. You to be independent. Not, 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 <laughs> not tied to a church or preacher, a religion, a Baptist, a Methodist, a Catholic, all that's good stuff. Nothing wrong with it, okay? I got people in my church, some of your members, I, I'm glad we're family. But creation was not designed to tie you to a group. It was designed to tie you to God. When he made man, he made man in his own image so man would be independent. And then the Bible said this, he created them, male and female. He, when he made them, he had male and female in mind. He knew the woman was a part of the second part of creation. He was going to bring her on along, you know, in a minute here. But he started with the guy. The guy is, the guy is single, creates him, and says, I want you to be an independent person. Strong, on your own, able to function. That was, that's, what, that's what's in his mind. He, did, he didn't want you to be in some dependent place. And then secondly, he wanted you to be fruitful. He wanted you, he said in verse 28, 20, 20, be fruitful and increase or multiply in King James. <clears throat> the whole goal is to get you to be a person who feels strong and independent and good about yourself. Then he wanted you, verse 29, to have an abundant supply. God said, verse 29, I've given you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the earth, the whole earth, and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food and to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds. He goes on and says, I give you everything that has breath. It's all yours. I don't want you to have a little bit. I want you to have a lot. That's what it's in his mind. You want to know God, how God thinks? You want to understand the God you love, the God you serve? That's how he thinks. Theology, God's, God, 
If you study God, you don't come away with this dependent um, spirit where you don't, you don't have a fruitful life. It's, it's about abundance. Look at the next part, verse 29. He said, I want you to have abundant resources. And lastly, he says, he wants you, I love this, verse, verse, verse 31. I want you to live in an environment where everything is good. <laughs> this is a pretty good plan. You want to understand the God you serve? Look at verse 31 of Genesis chapter 1. God saw all that he had made and said it was good. I made good stuff. And then he said this in chapter 2, verse 15 of Genesis. While you're in this good place, I want you to keep it up. Till the ground, chapter 2, verse 15, I want you to keep up what I gave you. That's what's in God's mind. Now, when you look at how God was thinking, right, and you start understanding him, the question is, how did we respond to his thinking? Well, we rebelled. Man decided in chapter 3, verse 6, to not listen to God because God gave man boundaries. He said, I tell you what, you can do anything you want, but just don't eat of this tree that's in the middle of the garden. I've got to give you the right to say no to me, and the tree was that option. God thinks God's view is you need to have a decision, a choice, rather. You need to be able to make a decision. So look at verse, uh, six, verse 6. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food, pleasing to, to the eye, also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some, ate it. She also gave it to her husband, and he ate it, and the whole world went down in pots, went down the tubes. Everything, it, all because they decided to think their own way. Now, here's this important. God's thinking was clear. Here's what I want to give you. I want to free you, empower you, give you all, but, but here's the boundaries I want you to live in. That's how he thinks. So your theology, if you're going to say you understand God, you need to understand God is not a libertarian. You can do anything you want to do. No, no bashing on libertarians here, but you get the point. He's not saying you can do anything you want. So if you want to understand the God we serve, there are boundaries. There are limits. In chapter 3, verse 6, you see man violates those boundaries. And so in chapter 3, verse 22, the Lord God said, the man has now come to be like one of us, knowing good and evil. He must now be allowed to, he must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. The concern starts, okay, I gave you a clear understanding of how I think, he says, right? I want you to be in the garden. I'm going to give you all this good stuff, but... I'm going to put some boundaries on it, and I want you to please live within these boundaries. That's how God thinks. You want to understand the God we love. He lives like this. Here's what you do. Here's what you don't do. Here's what's good. Here's what's bad. He's clear about that. He's not a God who doesn't have a clear view. That's why understanding theology, understanding God, studying how he thinks, like when you get married, you study your husband, right? You study your wife. You study your children. You study the job. You study the career. You study, the, you study where you are. You're not in military. You study the Army. You study the Navy. How does the Navy think? How, do you, how are you successful in science? How do, you, how do you function in a school system? You study it so you learn. If you want to be successful with God, you got to look at what he said. He said, let me tell you, Adam, here's how it works. You can be in the garden, but you don't need to eat that fruit right there. That's the boundary. That's, don't cross that line but they didn't listen. So they became unblessable. That's a word I use often. They're not blessable. You know, God can't bless some people who won't listen. So if you're one of those people who has a theology that says God doesn't care what you do, then you've got a bad theology. And you don't understand the God you say you love. 
What did you learn today? Hope you learned two important lessons. One, there are boundaries and limits. If you study the God you say you love, there are boundaries and limits. And some of us are across those limits. Look at the preacher for a second. You're across the line. You know it, right? Right? Okay. And so what do you do? You have to understand there are secondly consequences and judgments. Some of the things we're seeing is tied to that. Some of the things we're seeing with our young people is tied to that. Some of the things you're seeing in marriages, relationships is tied to that. Your theology said it was okay. God said, no, I didn't tell you that. I don't think like that. You don't understand me. When you understand me, you make different choices. Now, listen, I know there's a lot to learn about God, and I don't know it all. But I do know two things. One, there are boundaries. And I know there are consequences. You know, we've gone through a tough season in this country. We had a lot of challenges. And a lot of things have come to intimidate us. But I've learned that God is able to help us. If I understand the God I love, and that's my desire in life, to understand him, to get it right. I do the same thing with my wife. I'm trying to understand it. I found that when I understand Diane, I do better. When I understand my kids, when I understand my job, when I understand my role, when I understand that, you know, things can be different. A lot of things I didn't understand, and I'm still learning. The question is, are you opening your heart to learn today? There's a consequence for not learning. There's a consequence for ignoring what you do know. Some of us know, and we still ignore it. And so, in this study, I want you to understand the God you love. Next week, I'll talk, you about, talk to you about how to get him right, how to interpret what he says. He gives specific instructions about how to interpret what he says. You know, when you get to know a person, they teach you. They teach you how to think. You know, you get married to somebody that say, well, no, I don't think that way. You know, here's how I want you to cook my food or here's how I need you to talk to me. And you start learning, taking notes in your theology, your, 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 your view, your, your ology, or rather, that person. Dianology, right? My study of Diane uh, starts coming to clear. My, my jobology, my study of my job, my careerology, all the things, my schoolology, all the things that I study start to become clearer to me because I open my heart to learn. For a moment, you may think you know God, back up the train a little bit. and Say, God, help me understand you. Help me, help me learn about you. I learned two things today, very important things. There's a consequence. I learned today that you're a God who wants me to have abundance. You want me to be fruitful. All the things we talked about. Right there in Genesis is a clear picture of how God thinks. Man, I got to go. My time's up, but I thank you for being with me today. And I pray that this has helped you today. Let me pray for you. Father, I pray for those today who've heard this message. May it bring life and health to them. May they back up and say, my theology needs to be reviewed. If I understand the God I say I love, there's some things I would never do. Some things I would never say. The way our family is being run, this cannot be the way God wants it to be run. This is not the best plan. But, Father, I'm open to your way, which means I have to surrender my way. I have to die to me and live and serve you and trust you. Your way is the best way. So I praise you and thank you for this opportunity to teach and to share with your people. If there's somebody here that doesn't know you as Savior, never made the commitment that I made, the testimony I gave a minute ago about just hearing God, looking at nature, and, and God touching me, I pray, God, that someone would say, Jesus, come into my life today and be the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I pray you were blessed by the sermon today. I hope it helps you understand the God you love. Sometimes we get God wrong. And when we get God wrong, we treat people wrong. And then guess what? We treat ourselves badly as well. 
That's why it's important to get him right. Understanding the God you love can change your life. That's what the study of theology is all about. It's a big word, but it simply means the study of God. You're looking at it and saying, God, I want to learn you. And he reveals not everything about himself, as I said in the sermon, but he reveals a little bit about himself, enough for us to get started. And so let me pray for you today. And may this start you on your road to understanding the God that you love. Father, I pray for those today who said, today I learned a little bit about God, a little bit that maybe broadened my vision, my mind. And I pray, God, that they would take this message and apply it to their lives in Jesus' name. If they don't know you, let this be the moment that they commit their lives to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for watching. See you next time on demand. Be blessed.